Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. So good to have you here with us today for episode 377 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, uh, I am thrilled to welcome my friend to the show, John Israel, who is a successful entrepreneur who turned into a professional speaker. And uh, John really has a one-of-a-kind journey that he's going to share with us today. John spent about a decade leading the charge behind an organization that was centered around strategic gifting and found himself in a unique niche of the industry where they were really focused on client and employee attrition. Now, uh, John really knows how to, to take a, a vision, to live it out, and to be clear about the problem that you solve as a speaker, which is one thing we talk a lot here uh, at the Speaker Lab. In this episode, John's going to share his very personal journey to living out gratitude, how a social experiment changed his life, and how he remains on mission to teach something to his audiences. John has mastered the pivot, laser focus, his marketing efforts, and is committed to the problem that he solves and the people that he serves. There's really so much value, insight, wisdom in this episode, one that every single speaker needs to hear. There's, in fact, there's at one point where I'm just like, all right, listen, stop the recording, go back, listen to the previous 30, 45 seconds from what John has to share, because this stuff is really, really, really good. All right. So I think you're going to get a ton from the conversation today, no matter where you're at in your speaking journey. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with John Israel. Enjoy. We got John Israel in the house. John, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Grant. It's good to have you here. We've been, uh, we, we met through a bunch of mutual friends. We're a part of this, I guess, kind of mastermind. I don't know what we call it, but some group of, of guys and focus primarily on being good husbands, being good dads. And also we dev a little bit in entrepreneurship and business and speaking. And that's how we uh, crossed paths recently. And I, as soon as, actually, as soon as we met via just a, a random Zoom room, and I found out a little bit about what you do, I was like, oh, you got to have you on the podcast, man. This is amazing. So I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you and getting to know a little bit more about your, your story and journey. Well, yeah. And it, it was exciting to have you on that same group call that we were on because it was funny to be like, oh, Grant, I totally listened to your podcast. And so like in my early speaking days, I, you know, I gleaned a lot of tips from you guys and your, your group and what you guys stand for. And it's just, it was helpful to get some, some good structure. And I've used some of those calls definitely in kind of building our own career. So. That's awesome. And just in our conversations, it sounds like, you know, some speakers we talk to and they're like, you know, they've been at it for 20, 30 years, but keynote speaking, full-time speaking is relatively new to you, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I started speaking. I mean, I would say probably this year is the first year we really had a full-time speaking income, but mm -hmm. uh, started getting paid to speak about three years ago. Um, so we're still pretty new and green into it, but it's going well. Awesome, man. So we'll start by uh, just kind of painting a, a snapshot. You mentioned this year we're, we're at the end of 2021. This has been kind of your first full-time income sort of year. How much speaking are you doing? Who are you typically speaking to? Are you doing mostly in-person, more virtual? How has the year kind of shaped out for you? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And it's definitely been evolving because, you know, however, when when this is going to get aired, but, you know, we're we're still mid COVID dealing with, uh, you know, virtual events, live events. Um, So for me, what it looks like is we're doing about uh, three to four speaking gigs per month. And but it depends. Right. Because some months we get slammed like we had like eight or nine in May of this last year. And we're clipping around like three or four every month consistently. Um, so it depends a little bit on season. Some are a little bit slower. Uh, the, the fall and spring, you pick up quite a bit, but our market is we are in, uh, we, I do business keynoting. So specifically we have this really interesting little niche where, um, our message is about gratitude as a competitive advantage, right? So, you know, backstory on that, I run a strategic gifting company. We started that about 10 years ago. So we have a lot of ideas and philosophies on gratitude as it works with client retention, employee retention. And so a lot of companies will hire me for that message, which is like, how do you retain people by being more grateful, more appreciative? And there's more of a story that goes with it as well that, um, you know, I know we spoke about a little bit, uh, which is kind of how it got to market. Um, and then, from that, we, it's kind of weird. I, I don't literally know any other speakers who do this. We found our niche being client appreciation events. Hmm. And the way we found this was so odd. So, uh, and this goes right to like, you know, someone who's building their career, like this is how it happened. Literally, I, I uh, started the social experiment around human connection. I hand wrote five thank you cards every day for 365 days in a row. And part of it is just to like, see what would happen and to feel more grateful, kind of align with our business values. And then, uh, you know, it was just really fascinating. And I started blogging about it. People loved it. And so many things happened that year, Grant, that I wrote a book about it and I launched the book. And then at the same time, I spoke at, at an event, one of our mutual friends, Hal Elrod, right? So I spoke at his event and it went over so well. There's a TEDx organizer there. And they said, hey, we'd love this. We'd love to see if you could come and give a TED Talk and deliver this as a TED Talk, which how many people get offered a TED Talk, right? Usually you have to apply. So I was just really taken aback. And I've always wanted to speak, but I didn't have anything good to say, I felt. Mm -hmm. And so I had this really unique story about what it was like for me to attempt to be a more grateful human being for an entire year. And, uh, you know, we launched a TED Talk. We wrote a book on it. And then we started getting booked for just local stuff, right? Like Rotary Clubs. And this is, this is how crazy that spider web works. Like do all the free gigs you can when you're new. Cause I did a rotary club, literally the first one I ever did and brought my book. Of course, they're not going to pay you. Uh, people were buying books afterwards. An insurance guy buys 10 books and he go, and he doesn't tell me what he's going to do. He just buys 10. And then he's just, apparently what I learned later, he's been, he's giving these out as appreciation gifts to all of his business partners who send him the most business. And then one of them is a super high producing mortgage loan officer in our city. And so then they reach out to me and they say, Hey, we got your book. We love it. Would you mind doing this client appreciation event? And I was like, what is that? And they, so, and this is where, by the way, there's so many niches inside of niches, right? So, um, a mortgage loan officer does home loans. So that who sends them the most business is a real estate agent or a financial planner or a CPA. So this guy is really good at what he does. So he's like, yeah, every quarter I'll do an event where I'll bring in a speaker and I'll, um, you know, have them talk in front of my, all my clients who send me business. And so I was like, okay, great. And he like rents out a movie theater and like the nice ones with like the reclining chairs. Mm-hmm. And there's like a hundred people. And I, and I give this keynote and it, it crushes. They loved it. He loved it. He hired me to do it a second time, three months later. And then slowly word starts getting out. And then COVID hits and 
that, as you know, kind of destroys everything. Every paid gig I had disappeared, 100% yeah. of them. But then we started converting things into virtual. And then the word got out about, I started doing more podcasts. And then those converted into uh, mortgage teams hearing about this. They're like, hey, could you do something for my all my business partners in Montana? And then we would book and create a virtual event for them. And then it just, it just really spiderwebbed out. So our number one booking of all things is client appreciation events. And it's great because there's literally like no competition out there. There's not a lot of speakers knocking on that door, um, but we fell into it. We're loving it. We're capitalizing on it. We're finding the systems in it. We're making it better. And uh, we love it. So we're probably about right now about 60, 40. I'm about 60% virtual and 40% in person. Gotcha. All right. You, you've raised all kinds of questions for me here uh, that I want to fire at you, but let's go back for a second. Like, so even pre-speaking, uh, what, what were you doing? It sounds like you were doing the, the gifting business. Were you doing that full time? How did yes. you get into that? Give, yeah, give us a snapshot on that. Right. So, and that's, and that's a great question because we use, I use speaking in that business quite a bit. So we have a gifting company called Mr. Thank You, and we do strategic gifting for mostly in the real estate space. So real estate, mortgage, we do home builders, insurance people. So we do gifts for their clients and their top uh, and their, uh, their VIPs, those who send them a lot of business. So what I would usually do is I would go build a connection with like a real estate office and they have a bunch of realtors in there. And then I would come in and I would do like a quick, like five minute pitch that was very like strategically designed that hits all the sales points. But I would speak for like, you know, 20 people, 50 people. And then we would generate thousands of dollars in sales. Mm -hmm. And the goal is that they would, we'd start them as a client and then they would just keep ordering gifts from us over and over. So even before I was professionally speaking, where I was getting paid, I was doing it to earn business. Yep. And so that's that's kind of how that business began about ten years ago. Well, I think that's also super interesting for people to understand. Is uh, you know, you mentioned like, well, I've only been speaking for a couple of years. Well, the reality is, you've been speaking for you know more than a decade, but the context looks different. And it's not that one's better or worse than the other. But before, it was I'm primarily speaking as for lead gen, based on who's in the audience and who's going to be interested in the service based business that I offer on the back end. And then now it's more of a maybe it's still part of that today, and it's kind of an ancillary benefit, but it's also more of a, uh, I, I am being hired as, you know, John Israel to come speak and present this specific message. And so again, that's one of the cool things about speaking is it's not like this one size fits all that it has to look this way. And this is what you exactly have to do. Cause there's a lot of service providers that, uh, that would be interested in speaking and think that like, well, I don't have anything to speak about. It's like, no, you're speaking about your business, you know? So I'd be curious for like, even in your own experience, when you were doing the, the when you're doing speaking to realtors or in that the real estate space, was speaking like the primary driver of business for the, the gifting business? Yeah, it was like 98%. I mean, that was like we, mo- unless it was like a referral or someone heard about us, it was, it was speaking. And it, kind of an interesting thing with that is what I, and I would say even, even where we're at now, because we, we have almost o- only recently started leveraging my paid keynotes that ultimately now work into gifting relationships with bigger companies. And we're just tapping into that. And so, you know, we might take a, you know, 10 or $12,000 keynote fee. And then from that build a better relationship with the owner, the CEO, whatever, and then convert that into tens of thousands or a hundred thousand dollars plus in a gifting relationship that we would start doing for their company. So now it's, it's, it's uh, developed, but here's where I think I started learning the formula with it. So we used to just do like a quick five minute, basically it's an advertisement, right? I Mm -hmm. would just like, Hey, you know, here's what most people give as gifts. And here's the problem with those gifts. And have you ever experienced that? And here's how we've solved those problems, right? Very standard, like commercial five minutes in person. Now here's the thing with that. 
you can only get into so many doors with a direct sales presentation. And so I would have a lot of really high end uh, organizations that were like, hey, you know, yeah, we like that you do gifting, but we don't like outside salespeople coming in to speak to our agents. Mm-hmm. And then so literally off the fly one time, Grant, because I, I like speaking, it's kind of fun. I just said, oh, well, I've got a different presentation that's uh, like a 15 to 20 minute value add talk that's all about uh, the IRS guidelines around closing gifts for your clients. And it here was the fascinating thing, just going straight from I'm a salesperson to, I have a message that's going to solve a relevant problem that your people have. We got booked like almost every time for it. And mm. it was great because then we would come in at not from the, let me sell you something, but let me teach you something. And every time we focused on that, we just got more business anyways. So it really, for us, when it kind of transitioned into doing professional speaking and getting paid for it, we, we were, I was developing material. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I was just kind of using them as part of our sales presentations. But ultimately, we started to learn like, oh, there's actually frameworks inside of this. And like I was learning. That's when I started to get more to the craft of speaking, okay. um, which we've been developing. So now I still have one main keynote people hire me for, but I've got about like six different talks that will be a different industry specific message that we will get bookings for. Gotcha. And so you had been, you'd been speaking on behalf of the kind of the gifting company and kind of the, the rainmaker for that company for a while. Uh, and then it sounds like the doing the event with Hal and doing the TEDx talk really kind of flipped the switch for you. Uh, I'm interested in doing this professionally. So I'm curious kind of like what that transition was like. Why did Hal ask you to come speak? What flipped the switch for you? Because it sounds like, again, up to that point, you had been doing a lot of speaking. You just, it sounds like maybe you, it was just kind of a means to an end. You weren't taking it, you enjoyed it, but maybe you weren't taking it seriously from a professional standpoint or the mindset of you didn't think of yourself as a professional. So what happened there in that transition? That's a great question. I think that part of it was more of a mentality shift for me, honestly, because for anyone who's listening, if you're in sales or have been in sales, you know that salespeople are as enjoyable as like email spam, right? Like people aren't usually excited to talk to a salesperson, right? But I've been in sales and business for 19 years. So like, I'll totally own it. So for me, it was more of a mental shift to go from like, I'm a salesperson who's got an angle to like, no, I'm like a a person with like a really quality message. It's going to make a difference and so for me, and I think it might be similar with other people like, well, I'm just like, you know, Joe from HR, or I'm just this person who runs this small little dog grooming business. No one's yep. going to want to listen to me. So if a lot of it was like this transition of like, am I even like, do people want to hear this? Will people enjoy it? Um, will it make an impact? And I think I got lucky. So with Hal, um, it was what, what actually it was, it was an interview. It wasn't an, a full keynote. I'm, a, I'm very experiential with, our, with my keynotes. So one of the things that uh, I did with this interview was I had, because I'm all about gratitude and gratitude is a competitive advantage. So Hal had just overcome cancer. For any of you guys who know Hal Elrod's story, he's an amazing speaker, great author, and he was diagnosed with cancer and had like a, a 20% chance of living. Like it was devastating. So he's a good friend of mine. We were we were with him at the whole process. And so this is his first event back. And so I connected with his assistant and I said, hey, what if we do something really cool for Hal for this event? So what if we got everybody in the audience to write a thank you card to not just Hal, but to like his wife mm-hmm. and his mom and his dad and his kids who all happen to be present at the event? 
And so I coordinated this whole thing on the back end where we collected hundreds of thank you cards from the attendees. And then at the end of my keynote, we actually planted some of the attendees to stand up and actually read the letter they wrote to Hal and to read to his mom and to read to his parents. And it was this such a visceral experience of like, this isn't normal that for me. So when you said like, how did that transition happen? It was so impactful to everybody in the room. I thought, man, how can I get more of this? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and I think speakers get that when you have that keynote, you deliver and it feels so good and you get the reaction from the audience. Like that changed my life. I love that perspective. Or you get the emails. That's what had me think like, man, we need to get this message out there and it's my, no one's going to sell it, but me. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to use my sales skills, I'm going to find that a way to get my message out to as many people as possible. And that's what kind of drove me. And, uh, and I was basically doing it for free. Right. Cause when you're new, you're like, Hey, who wants a speaker? Mm-hmm. So for me, I hit up uh, you know, all my initial contacts in real estate, because many of them heard about my story or whatever. So, you know, I would, I just started that route. And most people initially, they just, they wouldn't pay me, but they buy my books. And that was the process. And then it wasn't until I remember a, a client of mine hired me for an event. And I find out later that, that they had a budget for $7,500 for a speaker. And I I charged them just for books. And so I was like, ah, dang it. I should have <laughs> asked for the order, you know, but that for me showed me, oh, people are willing to pay for what I have to say, like, it's actually that good. So it's been a slow evolution, just like anything, right? It's like, oh, could I charge a thousand for this? Could I charge 2000? Could I charge 5,000? And I know you and I, we had a really great conversation about, about fee structures and how you learn that different markets will pay different amounts for the same thing. So that was, that's been a, for me, still a continuous evolution of learning about how does my message fit in different markets around the world? Um, Cause it's um, you know, we all have families to feed. We all have, we, yep. we'd love to speak for free, but we do obviously need to make, make a business out of it. It seems like whenever it comes to selling of uh, speaking from, from a, a perspective of I'm doing this for lead generation, meaning like um, let me come in and talk to your company about gifting. And then also how, while I'm there, how I can help you provide that. Right. It kind of feels like, well, if they don't like, you know, if they, I get shot down, which is part of sales dealing with rejection, if they don't like that and they're not interested in that, then I can put it aside as like, they're not interested in that, the service that my company offers or from a sales perspective. But did you find it was more difficult to then transition to basically put yourself out there of saying, Hey, you should not hire my company. You should hire John to come speak. And knowing like, okay, if you don't hire John, if you're, if if John's not what you're looking for, like, again, you don't have like a product or service or widget or or gadget or gizmo that you can hide behind, but it's kind of, it's me you're rejecting. So did you find that a a difficult transition at all? Hmm. So yes, for the first, I know we're only talking three years for the first two years, that was my biggest problem. And really where it changed was when I finally was aware of the, and I know you probably work with your, your, your clients on this with the, regards to the, the positioning of your message, because if you just have a great story, like you'll get some people who hire you because it's ultimately like, oh, we saw this great speaker. And that was all my first gigs. I saw this great speaker. We should hire him. What does he talk about? Gratitude. What? Yeah. Gratitude. It's kind of so, so what? That it's a dime a dozen. Right. And so, so for us, it, and that's, and for anyone who would see me speak, if they had an organization and they were the decision maker, we would get the booking all the time. However, what I learned is they'd be like, oh, I love this message. Let me go back to my board and let me talk to them about it. And then I, they, I'd get crickets. Right. And be like, oh yeah, well, they're deciding to go with this person instead. And I was like, ah, all right. 
what I learned though, and this is what made a huge difference for us this last year was we just need to be super clear about the problem that we solve and press that button all day long. Because when, so for example, no, our message, my message is all about gratitude as a competitive advantage. So the simplest way to look at that is the more appreciative you are, the more people want to either work with you and do business with you or stick around in your company. I am not the first person who invented this idea, but I have a very unique story about how I came to that conclusion as a business owner and a lot of like, you know, it's like a standard keynote story, but it wasn't until I realized that the problem we solve is client and employee attrition. So one of the opening things when I'm like, if I'm talking to an organization or whatever, even in my keynotes, is I say, you know, nobody starts a relationship hoping it's going to end. But that happens every single day in business, whether we're losing a great client or a top team member uh, or a valued referral source going to a competitor. We all know what that's like to lose somebody. So my keynote message is to basically make sure that doesn't happen again. That's it. So if people hear that, you could tell that to somebody. You could say, oh my gosh, this is a guy we need to get because we're you know losing clients or losing team members. So that was the hardest part for me to figure out because we get really passionate about our message, like, but I need to keep it pure and it's a story and it's inspiring and people will pay a certain amount of ins- for inspiration. But when you can actively solve a problem that they have, they get a lot of budget for, like I could literally say, Hey, if you stopped losing clients or you had a 50% reduction in attrition yep. this year, how much, how much would that save you? 500,000, 200,000, 50,000, there is a number. So my fee becomes irrelevant because if I can help them solve the problem the you know, the ends justify the means and they'll usually say yes to it. So that was the hardest thing for us to figure out, but we really did this past year and it's tremendously helped us in our bookings. Okay. Everybody listening, I need you to go back like three minutes here to the beginning of this, uh, of John talking about this, because this is so critically important because exactly what you described of going, I speak on, on gratitude. I think about, I speak on, you know, thankfulness, you know, I speak on appreciations like what? So like, and I have a cool story. It's like, nobody cares. Like nobody cares, you know, but when you, when you tie it specifically to here's what this means to you, here's how this solves a problem. And ideally, you know, especially if you're speaking in the business world, here's how this solves a problem that there's a line item to that connects to the bottom line, that if I can come in and speak to your team and I can decrease uh, turnover, if I can decrease stress or burnout or whatever, and it, and it leads to uh, higher uh, morale within the company or, or people staying longer, like there's a direct ROI to that. So you have to be solving a specific problem versus just like, this is just a cool message that I like talking about. And here's my cool story. Like, no, I'm sorry. Nobody cares at all. Right. So you've done such a good job with that. And I, I, I'm, I think the more speakers get that, the more like you start to see business really start to take off. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps that help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker.
Now, it sounds like a big part of your story and a big part of your shift was also doing the 365-day experiment of doing five thank you cards a day. So when you started that, was this kind of like a, like, I'm curious, like, what's kind of the intention behind it from a business perspective? Sure. perspective? Now, because it's obviously like, yeah, it helps me to just be more grateful and be aware of dozens and dozens and hundreds of little things that I wouldn't have thought about or people I wouldn't have thought about. This was a great personal experiment, but there's also like, there's probably, you know, 5% of you who's like, okay, what's the business part of this? Like, is this, is this going to lead to something to, to speaking or is this going to open doors or what was kind of, or was there much of a thought behind that? Or is it more just kind of a, a personal exercise and experiment? All of the above. Um, so the, the short of it though, was I hired a coach to work with me on my business because here, and he, this is by the way, this is how I opened my keynote is I built a, you know, this gifting company for 10 years and in 2016, I had everything I wanted. Um, but I was overworked, overwhelmed, and so unhappy. I was ready to walk away from it all. Right. And so I was this gratitude salesman who is no longer grateful for his job. I mean, imagine mm -hmm. the irony. So I, I hired a coach to help with, help me. Cause I'm like, this doesn't make sense. How can I have all the money I've wanted, have a house, I'm, I'm married, I've got a family, but I'm still not feeling the fulfillment. So I hired a coach and his big question for me in the beginning was like, what's your vision? And I didn't have a good answer to that, right? My vision for my life you know, at that time was like about making money. And, and, I, and that's because how I grew up was I was a kid who didn't have a lot of money. Yep. So for me to learn sales and learn uh, business, like that was a big driver. And then I got there and realized, oh, this isn't actually making me feel good. So what do I really want? And that's when, you know, we really did get the whole Simon Sinek start with why thing going. And, and I just came up with this vision, like, hey, who we are at Mr. Thank You is all about elevating the level of gratitude on the planet. And I really meant it. Um, but then I heard this really great quote, and it's one of those quotes, like you probably heard it, Grant, but it, it's one of those like quotes, when you hear it, you don't get to unhear it. Sure. It's that Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson one where he says, excuse me, I cannot hear what you are saying because who you are speaks so loudly. And for me, what that quote means is it doesn't matter what I say my vision is. If I don't live it out every day, I'm just full of it. I'm not true to this vision. So if you went out and asked 100 people who knew John Israel at that time, like, what do you know about this guy? They'd say some nice things, you know, like driven or successful, but they wouldn't say grateful. So then how can that be? How can I be this guy who says he's about elevating gratitude on the planet, but I don't embody it in my life. Yeah. So that was like the catalyst to like, I've got to do something to really truly fix that internally. So it really was more of an internal goal. And that's what started the project. So it was five cards a day, every day for 365 days. Uh, they had to be handwritten. I couldn't skip any days. So I couldn't skip two days and then write like 15. Uh, I, and at every day, uh, reset at zero. I could write a max of three cards per person. And the final rules I had to donate a thousand dollars to charity for any and every day that I missed. Wow. So that was at stake every single day for a year. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought, you know, it might have some cool impact on my business. I thought I would feel better, but I didn't know how much this thing would change my life. And it really, really did. So in the book that I wrote, I actually, uh, it's called the Mr. Thank You Project. Um, I went through all of those things. Like, what did I learn? What were those emotional experiences? But there was a chapter where I wrote called the ROI of gratitude, which is like, we literally tracked how much did we spend on stamps, on envelopes, on gifts that went with it. And what did we actually get back? And I think I had one client who came back directly from the thank you card that literally paid for the entire project, a few thousand bucks. But this is where we actually really learn stuff. 
where we had a 50% reduction in cancellations by sending a thank you card right after we signed a contract, right? Just because it depends on your business, but even after you sign a contract, people still have the opportunity to, to walk away, right? With usually a period of time. So we learned that just by triggering the thank you card with every client, we had a 50% reduction in cancellations. That was a huge increase in revenue by money we weren't losing. So it kind of started teaching me some of those lessons. And I don't even think that the that was the goal, but it was, a, and I couldn't know that until the year was over. Yeah. When we could go through our PL and look at our numbers and our metrics. So it was it was both. And and I think that's why the message works is because I'm not all touchy feely. Like we do hit the feels really hard with the message, but I do come out with like, and here's what you get. Here's the benefit from it. Um, because you do have to get that, right? Because they have to justify it. They got to tell it to their board or get the, you know, you know, other people involved to make the decision. So that's, so that's where it came from. So it really was from a visceral, like, I just want to be a better human. Yeah. And it did create a, a, a bigger change for me personally, but also ultimately in our business, it did affect it too. Yeah. That's really, really cool. You, one of the things that you touched on earlier is this, you were speaking at a, a lot of client appreciation events. There's nobody else that's really doing it. And normally what we would tell speakers is when no other speakers are doing this, it's just like, well, there's a reason, you know? And so you want to look for like, what, what's already working, you know? So it's difficult to, sometimes we feel like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be this super niche speaker. And yes, you want to have some type of, of niche, but at the same time, if, if organizations, companies, groups, events aren't hiring speakers to talk about XYZ topic, there's a reason. So don't try to fit the square peg in the round hole. So how did you kind of say, okay, I want to, I know what I want to speak about. I know how we solve the problem. Um, I, I'm not really sure where it exactly fits. Uh, and so how did you kind of land on client appreciation events? Cause again, for some speakers are like, I didn't even know that was a thing. You mentioned you didn't know that was a thing. So oh, how did you kind of land on like, there's something here. Let's kind of tug on this thread and lean into this more. Yeah. I, it, so part, so there's two things. One was like just, um, testing, right? So it was, it was doing, you know, I did this first event and then I think from that, uh, we got like one corporate booking. Someone saw like a flyer or whatever from the event it was like, Hey, we like to hire for some other event. And that booking was right before COVID. Okay. So it, it, it was like, cool, this is great. And then COVID hit and everything disappeared. So I didn't actually get to test it further. I was just doing other virtual events, you know, with, with what was going on. And then it wasn't until about six months through COVID, I started doing podcasts. And then I got linked with this woman who was like, hey, this is a, you know, this is a great idea. Could you speak for our company on this? And then I just mentioned in that conversation, oh, and by the way, I don't know if you do client appreciation events, but I did this big event for a guy over here and uh, it was a huge hit. He's like, oh, she's like, oh yeah, we, we do education stuff for our, our business partners all the time. Let's do it. So then that happened and she's a big name in the, the mortgage industry. And then she invited all of her other friends in the mortgage industry to it. Then we got several bookings from that event. And then that just kind of became the, oh, well, hey, you know, so-and-so had that that business partner event or that client appreciation event. Do you want to do the same thing? And it was literally just like, following the thread and yeah. pointing to somebody they knew who did it in a lot here. So we would get one of two, two spots where people would be like, Oh, I've never done that before. So I need you to help me with this. So we've actually developed it where we'll like totally run the event. We'll get the booking page set up. Uh, we use Luma LU.MA great website for a web for event hosting. Cause it links with your zoom and you can create virtual events through it. Love them. If I could get an affiliate credit, I would, but they don't charge me anything. So they're great free free resource. And we set up the events 
And then we would make all the promotional material. We do the flyers. Uh, we, um, I make a, a promotional video. So we really was, we did enough of it that year where we're like, okay, we need to find the system so that this is duplicatable. So some people had no idea. So we would have to do everything. And then we have some people who are like, oh, I literally do this once a quarter or once a month. So there are some people who they don't call it client appreciation. They just call it continued education. Yeah. Or they call it education. So uh, the, if I was a different speaker, right, going into this world, um, which, by the way, they're not going to hire me like over and over every year. Right. I've got, you know, that would that same message wouldn't work. We have different messages we do now. But it's like I would say, yeah, do you ever do educational events for your top for your VIPs or your top clients? Great. Hey, if you ever want, I can be happy to come and share my message and see if that's a value to you, right? So that's the positioning of it where it's kind of like educational focus. It's not even specifically, do you run client appreciation events? Because if I said that, they wouldn't quite get it. They'd be like, I don't know. We've never what done that. that. Yeah, yeah. But if I said, do you ever do educational or value add events for your VIPs or your top referral partners? They would likely be like, oh yeah, we try to do that all the time. Or, oh, I know I should do more of that, but they're just hard to pull off. And then we're like, well, we can help you with that. So it was a real evolution of like, there is a market here and there is a structure to it, but it did take us a little bit to figure out. Yeah. Well, I think it's also important to note there that like, once you do an event, I always ask speakers, like, what's the, like, if you look back in the past year, like what's the best event that you did? Like the audience was great. The the topic resonated, like working with the event planners. Great. L- what can we reverse engineer? Because there's more of those that exist out there in other other companies or in other events or in other associations or in other churches or in other schools or whatever it may be, that one event is not an isolated event. I promise there are other. So like in your case, here's this client appreciation. I wonder who else does client appreciation, which also leads me to uh, one thing I'm curious about is with something like gratitude, with something like gratitude and, and appreciation as a competitive advantage, that's relevant for basically any and every industry. It sounds like you've really focused on the real estate space, some of those ancillary um, industries, mortgages, loans, um, you know, maybe home repair, or home services, that sort of thing. Uh, and so how have you like chosen or decided or have you made a conscious decision to say, we're just going to focus and double down here? Sounds like yeah. that's also a lot of what your past was, that your, your network, your uh, industry experience was there. So where it would be so easy to say, well, my message is for everybody. It's for every business and, and all humans everywhere should be more grateful. So my message is for the world, you know, how have you chosen to be like, yeah, but we're going to focus in this way. Grant, I don't know if you know how important and good that question was, because you're right. It is, it is a message that works for everybody. And we did get bookings all over the place. And I, and like, I've spoken at churches, I've spoken at high schools, I, I did a, you know, the largest virtual event for a, a, a big area of a specific denomination of a church. It was like 1800 people virtually, right? Super big event. And then we started getting booking requests. And I remember talking to a friend about the event and he was like, but do you want to do more of that? Right, right. Because, and by the way, this is no offense to like faith-based speaking because there's there's a market for it, right? That's, but the the general fee structure doesn't really work with how I, how I do things, right? And I'd have... And if, I don't know, it just felt weird, like asking churches for money for, you know, for well, an and at the same time for that specifically, like if part of, if part of the goal for you speaking is for the, you know, the gift giving business on the back end, like churches aren't a great client for that, you know, for the most part. And so knowing like, okay, where's my actual audience. And if that's not them, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Well, so there, yeah, and there's a couple things that I think are really important for speakers to figure out. You probably go through this with them in their programs, but it's like, number one, you do want to identify like who, while everybody might appreciate your message, who could use it the most and who would value it the most and who could, and, and with that, who has the money to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I did uh, like with, with the churches, it's like, hey, this is, a, this is a great thing. Could I target and start going into that? I could. However, my language on my marketing and my website would have to be very different to make it something that's like, oh yeah, oh, he does youth speaking as well. And it it's funny because I actually, uh, initially with our first website, I really held back on any, any specific marketing or sales language of like, here's who we target. Here's, you know, we help you with client attrition because churches would be like, well, we don't really have client attrition. We have maybe yep. attendee attrition. So language is important when it comes to marketing. And so the, the moment I realized like, okay, I don't want to target that market because it, it I mean, I, I, by the way, I love speaking to people, but I'm just getting emails from like random grandmas and different things like, ah, oh, I listened to your talk and it was so great. I think that's so sweet. At the end of the day, we're not going to do business together. And by the way, this is, this is going to sound very brash and I hope it doesn't come off this way because here's the deal. If you have only so much time in the day and you can serve a certain amount of people, who would you be passionate about serving? I am an overworked, overwhelmed, highly successful business person who was so unhappy with his life. I was ready to walk away from it all. Am I the only isolated person on on planet earth who has that problem? No, a ton of them do. So if I can speak directly to those audiences, I would love to serve that person because that's who I am at my core or have been. So my transformation story is more relevant for them. Here's the other benefit is they get monet. They actually could monetize the, the, like the benefit of this message. And so it's worth it for them. And so it kind of is this weird thing where, it's sort of meta when you're thinking about it, but it's like, yes, I talk on client appreciation, but who's going to value it the most? Those that have clients, those that have employees, those that have team members. So I could speak to anyone in the world on the topic of keeping your relationships close, but those people are who I've been at, at my core. And I love getting messages from those people who say, oh man, that message was so huge. My team loved it. Here's some thank you cards that my team was sending me. And I thought they were pissed at me. Like we get so much feedback that we're like, yeah, that's who I want to serve. And that's the problem I want to solve for them. So it, it did take some time to like, and it was hard to like, let go of, oh, but I want to serve everybody to let go of that. The other thing is last thing I'll say this with this grant is you need to di- decide what type of audience do you want? Okay. So now this was big because I used to want to be a youth speaker years ago. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. And then I did, <laughs> I did a high school speech with this message, which I'm usually talking to business owners and they're like making yeah. lots of money. And so I'm like trying to translate everything to like 15 to 17 year old heads. And I'm like, it was okay. But here's what I learned. There is a big difference of audiences that choose to be in their seat and audiences mm-hmm. that have to be in their seat. Mm-hmm. And after that, I said, okay, I will only spend time with people who choose to be in their seat because they're engaged differently. I work with that audience better and it's nothing wrong wrong with that audience. I know you specifically, you spoke to a lot of youth audiences who had to be there and you found a way to be inspirational and and entertaining and all that. That just was not my jam. And I very quickly learned that. And I'm grateful I did because uh, that for me was like, got me clarity of like, okay, now that I know who I want to speak to, what I want to speak on now, we're just like, we got our proven model of our speech. We know it works. Now we're just currently pushing our foot on the gas pedal so we can actually take it further. And it's, man, the last two years have been figuring that out, Yeah, right? Which is hard. It's expensive. And I'm grateful we did it because now we're in a really great spot. That's so good, man. This has been such a good story because there's several things here. I want to kind of, again, kind of reiterate and highlight is 
One thing that, again, is a mistake that a lot of speakers make is we feel like we have to spread the net as far and wide as possible. The more people I can speak to, the more topics I can cover, the more problems I feel like I can solve, the more topics I'm passionate about, the more opportunities I will have. It doesn't work like that. So if you said, no, no, I'm going to solve one specific problem for one specific audience. And by doing so, you mentioned like business has blown up like in the best possible way because I've gone way more narrow than broad. But the other thing to touch on there, as you mentioned early on, especially like you're, as you're kind of finding your footing, it's a lot of experimenting. I spoke to some church audiences. I spoke to some high school audiences. I spoke to some business audiences. And I found that like one of those I really liked and some of them I didn't. And that's not that, again, one's better or worse than the other. You've got to figure out for you what makes sense. So it's okay to give yourself some permission of like not knowing exactly what it's going to look like. And also knowing like even today at this moment, like the, the foot is on the gas, but we may have to pivot. We may have to make some iterations along the way. And like, that's okay. Don't feel like you have to have like, I know exactly how this is all going to play out forever and ever and ever. So uh, dude, kudos to you. You've just done such a, a phenomenal job on this. Uh, and so I know I'm sure we could uh, talk for a while on this, but uh, I want to be respectful of your time. John, if people want to find out more about you, check out the book, check out what you're up to. Where can we go? Yeah. So our, my website is mrthankyou.com. That's mrthankyou.com. So you can go there, check out everything as far as our branding, our positioning. You can look at my speaker page, you can check everything out. Um, but it, like I said, our, our mission and passion really is to elevate the level of gratitude on the planet because it does make a big difference in people's lives or relationships. So if you want to get the book, uh, just go to Amazon uh, and just look up Mr. Thank You Project. You'll see a picture of a guy with a stack of thank you cards next to him. That's me. Um, and uh, yeah, just just pick up a copy for yourself. Or, and here's here's kind of the fun thing i'm just gonna to can i teach a little extra thing with that as Please. well yeah this is gonna be a total self selfish promotion but it, i'm actually going to teach you how to use a gift to build a relationship so this is how i built a lot of my relationships is i would buy a book and i would give it to somebody but the difference is instead of just sending them a book i would tell them why i'm giving it right so i wrote this book about gratitude specifically designed so that people could give it away as a thank you gift to people who matter to them hmm. because it's an expression of gratitude, but it's also a way to deepen the relationship. So if you want to get bulk books, head over to my website, look on, look on books. You can order like a 10 pack or more. If you want to give them out to clients or speaking engagements, things like that. We do that all the time. We gift thousands of dollars every year to our, our clients because we know the more that we do that, it does build that relationship even deeper. So we did build and design the book to be a great gift to give out. So if you want to check that out, you can pick those up on my website, or if you just want to get one, just go to Amazon. That's awesome, man. One other tactical question. Everything mm -hmm. you do points to mrthankyou.com. Now, a lot of times when yep. we, when most speakers use their name as a personal brand, and so johnisrael.com, you yep. decided not to do that. You use mrthankyou.com instead. Talk us through that thought process. Sure. Oh man, we go back and forth in this. I'll be honest. So the hard thing is <laughs> I remember being in college, like 2005. And one of my professors was like, all right, first thing you need to do is buy your name.com. And I literally went <laughs> to go look johnisrael.com and someone bought it for their baby i don't even I, know who I, done probably... that. I, I own the domains for all three of my girls and my wife yeah, when, I when they probably were born, like just to squat on them that's funny man but but yeah so i couldn't i couldn't buy it so johnisrael.com was taken uh, i've tried different things but for me mr thank you here's the funny thing man it's just memorable like i've mm -hmm. had bookings where I call them to ask a question. I'm like, hey, this is John Israel. I got a question about the stage or blah, 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 blah. And the organizer was like, wait, who, who are you? And I said, oh, John Israel, I'm Mr. Thank you. I'm the guy you hired to speak. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know your real name. <laughs> so it, it, for me, you know, it just, it's a catchy tagline. Whatever you remember is cool, but Mr. Thank you, people never forget it. But that's really who we want to be for you is we want to be the guy 
who helps you express gratitude, love, and appreciation deep in your relationships, build that loyalty. That's what I want you to remember us for. Awesome. John, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate you. You got it. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.